fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is the middle of the week, greatest day of the entire week as we set the tone going into the later half with Thursday and Friday and into another celebration, another holiday. I know you're still in vacation mode, so I'm going to try and keep you there as we continue to move on through the program. Welcome into it. It is a Wednesday. I am Andy Hoosier. This is The Voice of Reason, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations and TV and live streaming and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it's so wonderful to have you along for the ride. No guests today. I know, kind of strange. We don't have a guest today. Just you and I chit in the chat, sitting across the bar, staring at each other, talking about the issues of the day, solving the world's problems at a bar stool. If that's what we want to call it. Or, I mean, if you have that problem, that's okay. You're the Hoosier holic. You sit here and we just converse on a daily basis, anyways, together. Welcome into it. We have some interesting things to get to today. There is a theory going around social media about are we in a silent depression? Make you go, hmm. So we'll discuss that coming up in just a little bit on are we in a silent depression? Because the economists tell, told us that we were going to go into a recession and or depression this year and or next year because of the way the economy is and our printing of money and our spending habits that we have both at the federal level and the public sector and our private level with you know credit card debt hitting over a trillion dollars, student loan debt coming back and trying to pay for those, which means spendable cash and expendable cash for consumers is down just a little bit. So they were expecting some major recession or depression. Then they said it's not happening, so we'll break that down a little bit later. And it's an interesting theory and another reason why they're trying to ban, quote-unquote, TikTok and other foreign-based social media sites because they don't want you to have this kind of information that I find quite intriguing. So we'll do that here in just a bit. As we wrap up Christmas, though, because we are just a few days after the Christmas celebration, now (laughs) I love this, now begins the returning of gifts. The returning of gifts. You give something to somebody that you thought they would really appreciate it. You were really thinking of them. Some people are very easy to buy gifts for, and some people are very difficult to buy gifts for. I have to admit, my brother is very difficult to buy for. Now, God bless him. I love my brother to death. Him and his wife, they recently had their first child that's about six months old now, little Henry. I have an uncle. I know. I'm kind of excited. I can't wait to meet the little guy and corrupt the hell out of him. So <laughs> we uh, we sent them the gifts. And I always I always struggle. And if he's listening to this, then you know what I'm talking about. But I always have a hard time deciding what to get my brother because and for those that don't know, by the way, that those that may not have listened to the long time or because I don't usually talk about personal stuff or the family side of things. My brother is just one of very few people left in my family that I still really talk to. I don't talk to him very often because him and his wife are so busy. They have more prestigious jobs than I, for sure. They are engineers and like engineers. Like the ones that work at like Lockheed Martin with the super top secret stuff. I keep asking them about UFOs and what they're working on with aliens, and they refuse to tell me. I will get it out of him at some point, though, both him and his wife. Nonetheless, they're younger. They're about seven years younger than I am. I'm the oldest out of uh, my family, and my brother's about seven years younger than me. And him and his wife are married, I don't know, a couple years now and just had their first child. 
And they're just living happy hunky-dory. They're making, obviously, some decent money with both of them being in engineers and working with, again, with different contractors. Lockheed Martin, just the example. I don't know if that's who they actually work for, but that type of industry. They're just doing engineering, government contracts, crazy work. And it's really cool stuff. So they obviously have a little bit more money than a typical radio host. Just throwing that out there. Good for them. That's awesome. You know, he actually excelled in college, and I learned how to drink beer upside down from a keg. I mean, there's two different sides of this thing, right? But because of that, he is just one of those happy-go-lucky guys where if he wants something, he just gets it. So I have a very difficult time trying to find something that he would appreciate. And obviously, him and I enjoy things like, you know, some video games or certain books or you know, whatever it may be, but I have a difficult time finding something for him. So a lot of times it resorts to like gift cards and cheesy movies that he may have already seen. But that being said, I get him something and he may already have it, which means he probably returns that gift. And now is that time to do it, which apparently there are retailers across the nation right now that are restricting the time frame on which you can return gifts. Now, I say that because I feel guilty when I return a gift. I will be the first one, but I feel guilty if someone took the time to think of me, even if they didn't know what to get me, which you really don't have to get me a whole lot. I'm not really a materialistic kind of guy. If you want to get me something, get me a vacation day where I can meditate for 12 hours. I'd be totally happy with that. Or get me like a sound bowl where I can, you know, or, you know, some kind of music. That, you know, something simple. I'm very, I'm very easy to appeal and, and please. Very easy. Make me a nice dinner. Mrs. Voice of Reason does that. I'm happy and hunky-dory with that. But when someone gets me something, even if it's something that I may have a duplicate of or if it's something maybe like clothes that doesn't really fit me, I have a guilt that runs through me about returning that gift. I, d I don't know why. It really comes down to the fact that I feel guilty. They spent their hard-earned money and time to pick something out thinking of me, and then I don't appreciate that. Well, apparently a bunch of big jerks. Look what you did, you little jerk. <laughs> you bunch of jerks out there. There's a whole lot of people that like to return gifts, according to the national poll with Finder.com. Shows that 53% of Americans, near 138, American, 138 million American adults across the nation, feel somewhat or feel disappointed in receiving a certain unwanted gift. 53%. That say that they're disappointed with the gifts that they received during the holidays. 46% of the people say that their disappointing gift included clothes or accessories, which, come on, man. I mean, how many times you get socks and underwear before you're like, thanks, thanks, I'm good now, I appreciate it. 31% uh, say that they were disappointed by household items. Remind me not to buy a vacuum for my wife next year. She doesn't necessarily appreciate that. And 25% saying that they are disappointed by receiving cosmetics or fragrances. Interesting. Now, here's the, I guess, the next step is that men versus women, more women say they're disappointed by the gifts they receive than men. 44% of men say that they've received a gift that they were disappointed in compared to 61% of women. Now, I looked up some of the worst gifts according to the latest survey as well, which 6,000 people were surveyed. Which I got to admit is kind of impressive because most times in political surveys, you get like a thousand people or 700 people or something. So 6,000 people, according to the Business Insider, got surveyed on the worst gifts or bad gift experiences that they've received. And they've listed the categories on what was the worst gifts that they had received. Now, for those that uh, you can't really see it on the on the video screen, but I did get a new T-shirt and I'm wearing that. And behind me, I am super excited about Call Me a Dork, I Don't Really Care. I don't usually, like, I guess gifts are a quote-unquote, the clothes are a quote-unquote disappointment in gifts 
because you want something really cool and you get like clothes. And you're like, thanks. But I got a really cool T-shirt, which has like a big bird on it, big raven, because I'm really, in, I really enjoy ravens and birds. I don't know why. Don't ask me. But behind me, I have a poncho. Yeah. And it was handmade in Peru. And Mrs. Voice of Reason got me that. I love poncho. I've always wanted a poncho. And you can never find one for guys. Like Mrs. Voice of Reason has one. Little Voice of Reason has one. I've never been able to find a poncho that I wanted and that looked cool. So I finally got one. She found it. It was hand-tailored in Peru. And I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So I've been wearing that the last couple of days. Now, it is like 30 degrees here in Kansas. And I'm still wearing shorts and a t-shirt. But I will put on my poncho to go to my car to drive home this evening when I'm done with the program. Just because I enjoy it. So I guess it depends on what kind of clothes that you get. Socks, okay, yeah, they're kind of boring. But according to the wife, she says that I have a bunch of holes in my socks, so she needs to replace those for me. I don't know why. They work fine. They've been wearing them for the last 10 years. I don't know what's wrong with them. <laughs> I'm kidding. Kidding! I was like, oh my gosh, Andy. Yeah, I'm kidding. But clothes apparently are one of those that are on this list. But the top categories for the worst gift ideas... According to the 6,000 people that responded to this survey, number one, with 28% of the votes coming in as defective items that were bought at discount. Come on, man. Come on. Now, if you get me something on discount, I will love you forever because you don't need to spend full value and full price on me for something. You don't have to do that. I appreciate that. Hey, I saved some money. I got it on discount. I got this bad boy on the clearance shelf at Walmart. It's usually 10 bucks. Here it is for 50 cents. I hope it works. I appreciate that because not only were you thinking about me, but you were doing it in an economical manner. And I love you for that. Number two, fruitcake at 23%. <laughs> I... I enjoy fruitcake, I guess. I've only had it one time. And I know that all the jokes are about fruitcake and people, the worst gift to give during the holidays. I get it. I've had it one time and it was decent. I don't know what they're complaining about. I don't know who made it or what the special occasion was, but I guess fruitcake's not a very popular gift. Number three, weight loss items at 21%. I will say, I guess if you're going to offend anybody outside of trying to challenge what their gender identities may be, uh, for the holiday season, that it would be giving them a weight loss item that might make them feel just a little strange during the holidays when we're scarfing down the Thanksgiving and turkey and the ham for Christmas. At 20% coming in for one of the worst gift items out there are political gifts. Now, see, that would be me because I would give everybody a political gift and those that may not be of the political persuasion that I identify myself as may not appreciate the same gifts that I give them. So I would do that in a sense of a gag gift. Voice of Reason products coming relatively soon. I would give them as gag gifts for them to get a chuckle about. And even if they get angry with me, then they know that I do it in full love and hystericalness because I watch them as their face turns red when they open up something that has Donald Trump's face on it. Number four. I'm sorry, number five. At 16% of the worst gifts given out of style clothing. <laughs> I don't know what the style is, so I don't know what the out of style would be either. If you know what I look like, I don't appeal to any type of actual style, so I can't tell what's in style or not. That would be a terrible one for me. At 13%, cheap chocolates. Apparently not allowed to buy chocolate unless it's under uh, unless it's above a certain threshold. Good to know because I <laughs> I wonder if Mrs. Voice of Reasons been upset with me about that one, too. At 13% Christmas ties, at 12% weight scale, they okay, I could see that one. 10% knockoff luxury items. What? 
and 10% gym memberships. That would be, again, a hysterical one and somewhat offensive if you are a little self-conscious about your weight. Uh, I don't know why these would be, quote-unquote, bad gifts. I have totally given almost all of these to somebody at some point, except for, like, the gym membership or weight loss items. I haven't done any of that stuff. But I've, I think I've given everything else out at some point to somebody throughout my lifetime. So if you're upset about those and if you have gone to return them, I apologize. <laughs> I did not mean to offend you. I love you to death. And, yeah, apparently we got to be careful about what we actually give individuals. That, by the way, according to the Women's Health Magazine, with 13 gifts that are better than a candle. I love candles, so I don't know what you're talking about. You can get me a candle anytime because I like to stack them in my prepper container in case the lights go out and I can use candles. So you can bring me as many candles as you possibly like, and I will totally appreciate you very much. There it is. The top gifts that are the most unwanted or bad gift ideas for the holiday season. You're saying, Andy, now you tell me after the holidays. I'm sorry. I'm learning myself. I'm learning. I thought I gave some pretty awesome gifts, but apparently not. So cheap chocolate, don't be giving any of that stuff to any of your family members. Now the next holiday is obviously New Year's. We're all getting set for that. If you give gifts, now you have an idea for that as well. Usually that just contains adult beverages. Joe Biden, on the other hand, is he's already on the way out because he just don't care right now. And he's going out to uh, apparently the Virgin Islands, going out to the islands and enjoying a little bit. Let's go into the Biden basement. He's already making his way to his vacation, apparently left a little bit earlier today to head out to the Virgin Islands for New Year. So it must be nice. He's got, let's see, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. That'd be six days for his New Year celebration. Man, I wish I had that kind of vacation time. But apparently the president that's running the country has time to disappear for six days straight. We'll be right back. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. So I got a message over the break saying, Andy, if you feel guilty about returning gifts, and what do you do with the stuff that maybe do the duplicates or the things that you don't necessarily want? I hoard them. <laughs> That's exactly what I do. That's why I have an entire garage full of stuff that I don't touch because I can't get rid of it because I feel guilty getting I have a trouble getting rid of like birthday cards that people sent me from like 15 years ago when I was a kid. I have boxes of them that are in, like, Ziploc storage gallon bags of just saving these. And you can get rid of them. No. Someone took the time to write it. Someone took the time to do that. I I guess I have a very difficult time accepting gifts, and I've always accepted that. I don't know why. I'm always a giver. I like to help assist people and give people, and I like to do things for people. I have a very difficult time accepting gifts, and people understand that when they've tried to give me things, and I don't quite know how to respond to that because I don't know why. I've just always, I've never been able to, so I have a hard time doing that. So when they do give me something, I cherish it, and I have a hard time letting it go. So yeah, I'm a hoarder. I openly admit it. I have a problem. We're, we're all family here, right? We're the political therapists. I, I am the first one. My name's Andy, and I'm a hoarder. Because I have a hard time getting rid of certain things. By the way, uh, for those that are the jerks that like to return gifts and just don't appreciate what people gave you, I'm joking, by the way, that the average American spends $66 on a meaningless gift that averages up to near $9.1 billion of unwanted gifts that end up getting returned after January. That's insane, man. That's a lot of money. $9.1 billion. Imagine what we could do with that money back in our pockets if we didn't waste it. 
That's why when we talk about the materialism of the holidays, doing something special, I would rather get fewer gifts that are actually more meaningful than just a bunch of random crap. Don't spend your money on me just to waste it and just spend it on me. Do it with some purpose and some significance. There's a meaning to that. Speaking of, by the way, Joe Biden as well as we go into the Biden basement. Let's go into the Biden basement. So I did a bit of a Google search on Joe Biden because we know that obviously he spends a lot of time on vacation. And he's already, by the way, out to the Virgin Islands for the New Year celebration, which is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So six days that he's going to be on vacation. The leader of the free world, the most powerful person on the face of the earth right now, essentially, is on vacation for the next six days. You won't hear a word about him, even if there is some natural disaster, if there's some attack, if there's something crazy that goes on. He'll just be like, oh, that's that's nice. And he continues to sit on the beach and just take naps because that's the president that we have right now. I did a bit of a search and looked at how many days he's actually been out of the White House doing business. And according to the Republican National Committee, and this is as of August 18th, so this didn't even include the holiday season with Thanksgiving and with Christmas and New Year's Six coming up, that Joe Biden has spent 382 days, or roughly 40% of his entire administration over the past three years, out of the office. Now, that being said, I understand. I understand that sometimes the president does business outside of the White House. Obviously, there are many presidents that would do deals on the golf course. I'm not a golfer, so I don't understand that concept, but they would meet with people and golf with them in a more comfortable environment while they talked about business dealings. Understand that. So just because they may be doing something other than sitting behind a desk or in a conference room, I understand they could still be working. That's not necessarily the case with Joe Biden, though, as you know. Joe Biden is one where he barely even winced when we heard about the Maui fires going down in Hawaii and he was like oh that's nice as he continued to sit on a beach somewhere else and just completely ignore the situation we had the pulling out of Afghanistan he didn't really care we had the issue going on with Israel we had the Ukrainian attack we had a lot of issues where he was just like not my vacation bro don't bother me I'll deal with it when I get back remember the conversation was it Trump and Clinton during that election in 2016 where they were talking about who would be the best to answer the phone call at 3 a.m. I think that was that one because Donald Trump doesn't sleep, so obviously he was the best one to take that situation. But 40% of his presidency he has spent out of the office, days spent on either vacation, personal business, or just regular days in the Delaware home. 40% of that presidency. That is dramatically higher than any of the other presidents. And I have that list if we want to go over that here in the next segment. We'll do some of that. Plus, the theory, are we in a silent depression? That trend is going on social media right now. We'll talk about that when we come back on a Wednesday for The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason meets radio, this is The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time. Radio stations all over the place. So wonderful to have you with us. More jumping on board, by the way. Not only with this weekday program, but the syndicated program we have on the weekends as well. So, so wonderful to have you. (laughs) I was... I'm still getting comments regarding some of the bad gifts and people are posting some of the bad gifts that they've received. I get it. I get it. There may be some bad gifts. I just, I do. I feel guilty giving anything away. Again, I have birthday cards from the fourth grade from people. I'm just like, I can't get rid of it, man. It's sentimental reasons. 
I'm not that bad of a hoarder, though. I know I turned my, I just made myself out to be like this horrible hoarder. I'm not that bad. It's not like I have stuff. Oh, man, I can't even say that. This is turning out to be even worse. Dig in the hole, Andy. Move along here. Let's get into what's trending here, shall we? <laughs> what's trending today? I will say this: that I am. I saw the post on one of the sites that we're streaming on right now as well. Yes, an organized hoarder. I like that idea. I like that. You're a neat hoarder. You're an organized hoarder. You may collect things, but you, you know, you, at least they're organized. I don't have boxes everywhere, and I do get rid of a lot of stuff. It's just stuff that I've collected, not stuff that other people have given me. So I guess there is that. I don't know. Let's get into what's trending. There is a trend going on on social media right now, which I think there is a reason why this reaffirms my idea of those that are like, we need to get rid of TikTok. I understand. China's trying to get your information. ByteDance is run by China. We need to stop this because they're collecting all your data and information. I totally understand that concept. And I've said it many times before. I agree with banning it in military places. I agree with banning it from phones and devices from very high-end people that may have a lot of intel. But number one, you cannot ban it from all phones and devices for all the consumers across the nation. Number two, I know the state of Montana, I believe, already tried to ban TikTok in their state. Not sure how well that's working out for them. But it's very difficult to do that, especially if you maybe have an out-of-state phone number, for example, or if maybe somehow they get the towers to stop allowing you to accept that type of data coming in from that certain service. I, I don't know how that would work, but I know people continue to want to try and ban TikTok in the nation. And while I understand the concern about the data information being collected from China, I would again reaffirm and ask you the question on why are you then okay with Gmail and with YouTube and with Facebook and with so many other sites here based in the U.S. that collect just as much data, if not more, from our own government that on the conservative side has literally called us domestic terrorists and the worst threat to American democracy and American civility. They're the ones out there saying that Donald Trump, if he gets back into office, will execute his political opponents. That's how the rhetoric is from the other side of the aisle. And they're the ones telling you that we can only have U.S.-based social media sites. And they're the ones collecting all of your data to know exactly where you're at at all times with your smart car. They're the ones checking your GPS all the time on your phone. That's the government that's running us, and we're worried about what China's going to do. And now I get it. Like, we should be concerned about what China's collecting on us as well. But I'm more concerned about our own government that's calling me as a citizen of the United States a domestic terrorist. I have a bit of a problem with that. And they're the ones collecting our data, and we're like, oh, yeah, only they can control us and can control the content. We talked with Phil Kirpin with American Commitment uh, yesterday on the net neutrality that the Biden administration Democrats are trying to impose again through the FCC. And if they get net neutrality, that gives them all more control about the Internet like they had under the Barack Obama administration to really control the content when you Google something, the control of what you're allowed to post, if you're actually allowed to actually have that be out for the general public to see in these platforms that are supposed to be the soapbox for you to go out and have these conversations online that is the new way to communicate with individuals and disperse and have ideas and challenge each other on ideas and, and philosophies and, and concepts. And if they implement this net neutrality idea all over again, then that stuff is going to go away. And we will have no way to communicate with individuals unless you literally knock on their door and do it door to door, which most conservatives on campaign season are good at with grassroots campaigning in your local community, but not the best at actually expressing ideas. And when we try to hold town halls, when we try to hold debates, when we try to hold events, 
just look at see the turnout and how difficult it is to get people out there. Why? Because we're so busy working two or three jobs trying to keep up with the Biden inflation that we're seeing. It's hard to actually spend some personal time to go out and do something beneficial. So that being the vicious circle that we're in, we still I am still adamant of supporting social media sites like TikTok and other things that are uh, outside of U.S. based services because I want to hear what's going on in getting a different type of algorithm that's on certain social media sites. And this is a trend that's going on apparently right now on TikTok known as the hashtag silent depression with videos like this. In a silent depression, when you compare the Great Depression to today, this is gonna absolutely blow your mind. In 1930, during the Great Depression, the average home in America was $3,900, the average car was $600, and the average monthly rent was 18 bucks or $216 a year, and the average salary was $1,300 for the year. Fast forward to today, it is $436,000 for the average home, forty-eight dollars for the average car, and the average rent is $2,000 a month or $24,000 a year, and, that is, and we have a $56,000 income for the average American right now. So if you look back to the Great Depression, the house was only three times the average salary. Now it is eight times the average salary. The car was 46% of the salary. The car today is 85% of the salary. And here's the craziest part. The rent was 16% of the average salary. It is now 42% of the average salary. All right, so that was from a TikToker known as FM Smith 319 which you can follow him if you have the TikTok on there. I'll break down the numbers again because he went through those kind of fast, and especially with no visuals. I want to put this into concept perspective for you. Now, to preface this, we have the Biden administration... And we have, quote unquote, economic experts that are saying that we avoided a recession. We avoided a depression this year in 2023 and more than likely we avoided it for 2024 as well. Because, well, things are going great. Consumer spending still up. Now, is consumer spending really up? We're trying to keep our level of lifestyle by paying for the same stuff that we've bought in before, but everything's more expensive. So we're spending more money for the same amount of goods, if not a little bit less, but we're spending more money to get that. And for the first time in American history, as I mentioned, credit card debt for the U.S. household has surpassed a trillion dollars across the nation, meaning we're spending more on credit cards to maintain that certain lifestyle just to purchase the same amount of goods so we don't have to lower that lifestyle because we want to keep up with the Joneses across the nation. So we're spending more money to get the same stuff, and we're doing it in a way that's getting us further and further into debt as a consumer, not to mention all the government that's printing money and causing inflation and spending money and not cutting their spending at the government level, and we're sitting at, what, $34, $35, $36 trillion now in a national debt. So I want to break this down for you, and I want to get your thoughts on the difference between 1930, 1928, 1930, during the Great Depression, and today in 2023 going into 2024. As he mentioned in the numbers, and I have not fact-checked these numbers, so we're just going to have to take them with a grain of salt, but they seem relatively accurate. In 1930, the average annual income was $1,300. In 2023, the average medium income is $56,000 right now. On the $1,300 income in 1930, the average house was $3,900, which was three times the amount of that annual income. The car was $600, which was 46% of that annual income on average. And rent was near $216 a year for an average, which was 16% of that annual income. Three times the amount for a house, 46% of your annual income for a car, and 16% for rent. 
out of your annual income. Reasonable, but tough. And that's why we fell into a Great Depression. Today, with an annual income on average of $56,000, a house is on average $440,000, which is eight times your average income. Going from three times the amount to eight times the amount. Your car sitting at $48,000. Good golly, $48,000 for an average car. I think that went up pretty dramatically, too. That's 85% of your annual income. And rent now is roughly $24,000 a year, which is 42% of your annual income. That's up from 16% back in 1930. So looking at those numbers by themselves, how can you afford anything? How can you afford it sitting at almost $60,000 for an income? You can barely survive if you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and you have that mortgage payment that's almost a $500,000 home, you have a $50,000 car, and you're renting it near $24,000 a year or whatever your situation may be. That's insane. Now, there's one major difference because the, the, the economic experts, they're losing their minds over this. CNBC, they're doing everything they can to discredit this and be like, anyone who thinks that life in 1923 or 1930 is different from now and actually better than what lifestyles are right now, then you're crazy. Here's the main kicker, and here's the main difference that they don't want to talk about. What's the number one difference between 1930 and 2023? There's something now in society called social programs to take care of you. If you remember, during the Great Depression, an FDR created Social Security, created the food stamp program, created these social quote-unquote safety nets to take care of you because of the situation that some individuals were in. They were supposed to be temporary until Truman and actually permanentized them later on and made them an established system that we now have almost 50% of the American population on in some way, shape, or form at some period throughout their life with 56% of that population not wanting to give that up. If we got rid of these social programs right now and we went back to what that was like then, imagine the chaos that we would be in, allowing the inflation to take hold because right now we're truly not paying for the stuff that we pay for. We're not living on our own without the government subsidies, without the government subsidizing some sort of program, without the government covering some type of program for a vast amount of the population. The reason things were cheaper then the reason things were lower then, the reason that things were more affordable and less of the percentage of your annual income was because we didn't have the government that inflated everything to take care of it for you. We had to do it ourselves. And when we had to do it ourselves, we had something wild called the Laffer Curve with the supply and demand chain that would actually price things at a reasonable rate where the vast majority of Americans could afford it. Well, now more Americans can afford it because more Americans are getting those government subsidies in some way, shape, or form, inflating the prices on everything. Are we in a silent depression? I truly think we are. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I do love all of these economic experts, and I say that in air quotes for our radio listeners. I love all of the economic experts that are like, no, 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 this is totally insane. We aren't living in a silent depression. We are. We really are. Now we have a safety net, and I say that again in air quotes because I don't believe there's truly a safety net here, but where people are utilizing certain programs to pay for certain things, and even if they're not, they're inflating 
the price of it because, well, the true free market, laissez-faire free market capitalism is not really in play right now. We have a government that's dictating prices on everything, inflating prices or causing prices to go up based on additional regulations and taxes on raw materials or based on the transportation of or certain environmental policies when you're producing certain goods like a vehicle, for example, or whether it's the unions that are screwing everything up by saying, oh, we need $80,000 to sit here and do something and work only four days a week. Yeah, which we just saw the auto union strike that happened a few months ago, and now we're going to see an average of $1,000 more per vehicle coming out from those certain companies because of the price that's going to be going to resource workers. That's what we're up against right now. So yeah, the prices have been inflated dramatically and it is unaffordable to live in that lifestyle. Can you make it work? Yeah. If you do things rationally and reasonably and you do things financially smart, you can survive. It's difficult, but you can survive. But that's the reason why there's such a discrepancy on what's what's livable and what's not livable at this time right now. Imagine, if you will, again, if you're making $55,000, $56,000 and you have $24,000 a year going to just rent, 40%, uh, 42% of your entire income, then you go and get food, which food's up 30% over the past three years alone under Joe Biden, and we're supposed to survive off of that? What else can we do? Where's your expendable cash? You're not spending money. Really? We don't have anything else. Use credit cards. No thanks. Then you have the student loan issue. And no, I'm not talking about trying to bail out student loans. I am talking about not taking out as many student loans. And I will be the first to say that I learned that lesson very toughly, still paying off my near $50,000 of student loans that were up at near $90,000 at one point, And I've got them down to where they're at now. And I'm very happy about that progress that I've made over the past few years. There's work to be done, and we have to be a little bit more financially literate moving forward. But what I am afraid of as we talk about a quote-unquote silent depression that I am concerned that we are living in right now is that the bubble will burst at some point. Everything balances itself out at some point. And in order for the universe, if you want to put it that way, to the economy, the god of the economy, if you want to look at it in that perspective, everything will have to balance itself out. But in order for it to do that there's going to have to be a correction. And for whatever reason, I've always seen this analogy as the best way to describe the economy whenever we see indifference and transition in presidency, for example, or economic policy from what political party's in charge. I always see it as like bleeding your brakes. Andy, what's that? If Okay, if you ever know anything about vehicles, you know that you have your brake lines that run from each of your brakes in your vehicle and that there's brake fluid that you have to check. You're supposed to check unless you just take it to your auto mechanic now and they check it for you. But you have your brake fluid. And if there's a bubble, an air bubble in your brake line, and I'm not saying this because I'm an expert in auto mechanics by any means, but I do know basics. If there's an air bubble in your brake lines, your brakes will not work. So they have to bleed the brakes to get that bubble out so there's a constant stream of the fluid that's running in your system. In order for them to do that, they have to bleed it, and that bubble will burst, and then it will get back to normal. The same way with the economy. There's going to be a bubble. There's an air bubble in the economy. There's multiple air bubbles in the economy right now. With the more the government gets involved personally in it, the more it gets screwed up and more air bubbles they literally inject in it to where everything seems fine. Everything's coasting right along. We see right now inflation's coming down and consumers are getting happy again and a little more complacent. Gas prices are down right now under Joe Biden. Everything's great. Bidenomics is working. They've injected so much money in it, we've created an artificial air bubble. Things seem great, but it will pop at some point. And when the air bubble comes to light and comes to the surface, things start screwing up. And then whatever administration's in the next time, 
usually the Republican thereafter, when the pendulum swings and the next administration comes in, they get the blame for it thereafter. Look at what you did to the economy. Really? We did that to ourselves a long time ago with $35 trillion of debt right now that we have to get out of. When the bubble bursts and we see the real depression hit, we're not going to see one like we did in the 1930s before social programs. It's going to be when the social programs fail because we don't have any more money and the federal government starts having to bail itself out because it doesn't have enough money. We're going to see a nationwide catastrophe like we've never seen before. It's not going to be just certain portions of the uh, American people that are struggling with the upper class doing fine, the lower class that doesn't have anything. There is that disparity, but it's because of government doing it to us. And this time it's going to be more catastrophic. Is it going to happen? I believe it will. And that is a cause for concern. But we have to take our own finances into our own hands to get things back on track and force the government to do the same thing as well, which I am optimistic about with the direction we're going in 2024. Until then, we're back at it again tomorrow for a Thursday. We'll see you then. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.